Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome to Science in Africa. A Nature Careers podcast series. I am Akinjimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. I work and live in Lagos and I'm passionate about promoting science and public health journalism in my native Nigeria and across Africa. In this series, we explore the practice of science in this wonderful continent, the progress, the issues, the needs, and in the worlds of the African scientists who are based here. In this second episode, we meet Professor Oyewale Tomori, a Nigerian virologist with decades of experience. He previously worked for the World Health Organization and now acts as government advisor on disease outbreaks and epidemics. I want to know, how has science changed in the post-colonial era? First, I asked him about the general state of science in Africa today. I see science in Africa like uh, islands of excellence in a few different countries. You take the whole of Africa like a desert, and you have oases of excellence. South Africa, maybe Kenya, perhaps uh, Senegal, and up in the northern parts of Africa, Tunisia, Algeria. But basically, the rest is blank. Um, and incidentally, a lot of these centers I'm talking about have a lot of uh, foreign input not coming in from, you know, within the African governments itself. And so when you look at the center in Kenya, you find a lot of uh, welcome trust from UK. Okay. You look at the one in Senegal, it's more like the Institute Pasteur from Paris. Okay. Um, maybe South Africa is too better than the others, although they do get some also... Uh, foreign support. Not much input from the African government itself, but generally that is the situation of science in Africa. Let's talk a little bit about you. When and how did you become a scientist? Hmm. Unfortunately, when we were growing up, there was no um, no counselor. There was no, no kind of counseling or anything that came okay. from, from our people. Yeah. Uh, you kind of became your own counselor yourself. Or you look at people around you and you decide, oh, I like that lawyer, so I must be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Or I like the journalist, that's the kind of thing I want to do. My, my elder brother, who was like a, a role model for me, 
did engineering. And I actually thought I was going to end up doing engineering. Around what time was this? We were looking at the years in the late 50s. Oh, After okay. I finished my uh, finished at the primary school, I wasn't born then. I know, so <laughs> so it was like you know it, soon after our independence. Okay, it that way. Okay, you know between that fifty nine sixty up to about sixty six or so. Okay. those six years yeah. where you're in secondary school and you're trying to find out where you go from there. Okay. Most of that were influenced by what we see around us. Maybe your brother your relation or somebody you admire who is into something and then you said that's the kind of thing I want to be uh, because I was good in the chemistry physics and all those other things um, all those are what combined to go uh, to go and do medicine so I thought maybe I'll go ahead and do uh, go for medicine human medicine uh, but uh, for political reasons and other things situations in the secondary school I went to didn't work out that well and so my final result was not as good as it should be and therefore, I couldn't get admission into human medical or something. But it was good enough to go to other courses. Okay. And so where there are not too many people who were going in there. So I ended up reading veterinary medicine uh, up in Zaria. Uh, in a way, I ended up actually back into human medicine because of an accident of nature, let me put it that way, okay. uh, when we had the epidemic of uh, outbreak of Lassa fever okay. in 1969 in um, in just just area actually Lassa Bruno State. Years later mm -hmm. now, mm -hmm. will you say you made the right decision? Oh. That turning point. I, I couldn't have made a better decision. Because if you call it a decision, because I think things were just happening and I was just following without really thinking whether I was participating in it. I always say that I had divine guidance being led along the line. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have had a more exciting life than I've had working with viruses mm. and in Nigeria and in other parts of the world. Mm. And uh, I can be glad and I thank all those guys. You know, <laughs> the, the years you mentioned close to independence, I mean, I know that those days, everybody was virtually a farmer. And I'm guessing you are the son of a farmer, maybe a cocoa sure. farmer. And, um, and then you went to school. You know, we were told you have to go to the farm to help fathers and so on and so forth. Are, are there stories behind the story that pushes you from being a farm boy to even going to school in the first instance? In fact, you, you said it. In those days, farming was the major thing. And the big people were the farmers. And they wanted a big family. So they can have farm hands instead of hiring people. So you take all your children. Hopefully, you go and work in your farm and then you know, the farm becomes me and they can continue the work. Then a, a good government came in. Mm. That was the government of uh, Obafemi Olowo, okay. who introduced free primary education mm. and compulsory. Wow. Which meant if you didn't send your child to school, the alternative was prison. Wow. So my father actually preferred to send me to school than to send me to than go to prison, you know, so so that's how I entered in my town into primary school. Wow. And that was what we had at that time. Yeah. So I think it was that good governance that made a difference. Which I always say I'm very proud of my country. Mm. Um, I never studied outside this country. Yeah. All my education was here. Of course, when you want to do post-drought, you go out to another country. But basically, all of my study was done in this country. And the country provided the enabling environment for all that to happen. And that's why I said, you know, I, sometimes I keep saying that I owe this country more than I can ever pay back. 
But the generation now can't say that because the country has abandoned them. So how would you say the business of uh, science, how has it changed in Africa since you were a student? During the period, I mean, foundations were laid during the colonial era. Yeah. MRC in Fajara, in Gambia, the Kemri, what became Kemri in, in, uh, in Kenya, Medical Research Institute, the Uganda Virus Research Institute. The Institute Pasteur's set up in Senegal, Ivory Coast, other places. So they were functioning well. Relics, good relics, I may call it, of the colonial past. And you find that many of us are the ones that stayed at home. Very few are going outside into the diaspora because you had a good environment. You grew up in that environment. And it was easy to stay there. In fact, in those days, very few Nigerians would take up an international job. Because our currency was as strong as the dollar, even more, more stronger than the dollar. Yeah. So for you to give me a job outside, I need double the amount of salary you pay me. Oh. And then I have to do that away from my family, away from all the yeah. resources. So many of us never really took up international jobs. We just stayed home because things were good. Mm-hmm. And we must ad- admit that. But somewhere along the line, we lost track with all the changes of government, mm-hmm. military coups, yeah. and all those kind of things. But like I said, we lost that. Somewhere along the line, when, quote, politics came in, and therefore science lost its position, and it was relegated to nothingness. And we then got economists and people who were more interested in, uh, is it gener- uh, revenue generating? If, the, if it is not cocoa that was bringing dollars in the country, yeah. if it's not oil that was bringing gold, then, okay. then forget it. Hmm. So you don't put anything into it. Hmm. But then the, even if his health was not, according to them, generating revenue for the country. Yeah. But then the greatest error many people made was that all require, all of the revenue generated by oil, by all that, all require is one disease hmm. to wipe everything out. Hmm. And if you don't, I mean, it's like if you didn't take care of health, all of yeah. the revenue you've been generating over the yeah. years from other sources yeah. will be wiped out. See what COVID has done to the world. Huh. And that's the situation. Huh. So I think we didn't learn enough that you needed a healthy population. You need health of the people, you know, to be able to maintain and sustain your economic growth. Yeah. The COVID-19 pandemic has hit the continent hard. And we'll talk about Africa's response in a later episode. The lack of investment in science, and in this case, health, exposed the fragile foundations that Nigerian society was built on. So I wanted to know, where do we go from here? How do we advance science in Africa? In a number of countries, uh, we have Academy of Sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, We have at the national level, we have at the continental level. Uh, we have a lot of professional associations in science. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of groups. We have foundations and so on and so forth. What role do you think this multivarious organization can play you know, in advancing science you know, in Africa? The ideal role for those groups is to be able to translate science to the ordinary requirements of the society. Mm-hmm. Science was to be, to be relevant to the needs of the people. If your science does not affect the life of your people, you, nobody cares about you. We scientists have not been able to impress upon the people our relevance to the day-to-day life of the people. How does my 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Research affect the clothes I'm wearing. Okay. How does it affect the house I'm living in? Okay. How does it affect the water I'm drinking? How does it affect the transportation, the road that I'm walking on? In terms of public in understanding. Of, exactly. We, we've not done that. And that's why people have not seen us as relevant to their needs. So the role of those academies and other science engineers will be to get on. They're doing fantastic research. But if we don't know your use, your relevance, then of course you don't exist as far as they are concerned. So we need to go a step further. Apart from doing the research, but able to translate and inform the people about the research we're doing, and what, what, how is it going to affect your life, and why you need the scientists. And until we do that, all the academies will just become uh, academies of people who are wanting to get in there for, for personal aggrandizement. The honor of being a fellow, of being a this, you know, becomes, takes priority over the relevance to the needs of the society. So are, are young scientists in the mix? I mean, are they in the mix of advancing science, in, you know, in Africa? Yeah, I think, I think well, my generation is pegging out now. So it's the younger generation that are actually doing all the science. And like I always say, this, their generation has more knowledge than have, I mean, the, the way information flies now. It's not like what it was in my time. If I needed to get a, a, a paper uh, published somewhere, I may have to write to the author who would then send it by post to me. Now they can sit down in their room and, you know, type something and get all the information there. So they have a lot of information at their, uh, at their disposal. But how are they using it? Again, the question back to, to make sure that all this magic is translated for the good of the society, yeah. to the relevance, you know, to make them relevant to society becomes a major thing. Now we, we are setting what we call the Nigerian Young Academy, the Global Young Academy, every country is starting that, to serve as a link between the older generation of scientists and the younger ones, in the hope that these people will take whatever it is that we had, yeah. modernize it with the current situation, and bring the best out of science for the people. And that's, that's the way it has to go. But they must realize that, you know, their relevance is not to the degree they are getting, it's not to the promotion they get in their universities, but how they use their science to improve the socioeconomic situation in their country, to improve the life of the people, make life easier and better for the people. And that's the only way you can be relevant, and then people will appreciate you for what you are doing your science. Huh. In terms of women scientists, in your days, mm. um, it's still your days mm. now, um, there are quite a number of uh, issues in terms of um, career mobility, you know, juggling family with research and so on and so forth. Uh, I can say that in, when you look at academies of sciences, uh, there are probably few women in the academies. Uh, Nigeria had, I think presently has the first president of the academy, mm. you know. Um, uh, so, what can you say about women in science, women in research, and how can we improve, you know, or increase the number of women who are into science in terms of research and other areas? 
Hmm. I think we need to go back to the beginning. Okay. Why are women not in science? It started from way back. Women are not supposed to go to school. They're supposed to have babies and become family members. Yeah. And that was what we grew up with. I mean, I was mentioning to you that my father counted it luck for him to have a ratio of four boys to one girl in his family. Because as far as I'm concerned, women were meant to be, when they grow up, marry somebody, produce babies, and that's their job. So that was going on. And that's why we didn't have many women, even in these primary schools. So if you don't have them in primary schools, you can't get them in secondary schools. You can't get them in university, and you can't get them to do science. But that has changed. Things are changing now. Opportunities open for everybody gender. I mean, it could be better. But things are really moving, you know, quite well. But what is happening was that we had a backlog from the past. So they are just catching up. And I think they are catching up fast. Um, take the Nigeria Academy of Science. It was started in 1977. There were very few women. But to have moved from that time to now, when a woman is the president of the academy, it's a step forward. And many, many more. In fact, the, in the last election, I think uh, out of almost the first four or five people who got elected were women. And so progress has been made. <clears throat> but then we must not, uh, we cannot catch up on the errors of the past. Yes. All we can do is that hasten what is on and maintain what is going on, ensure that school is open to everybody. And one interesting thing that you find, I spent 10 years, I mean, seven years at the Redeemers University, and found out that virtually the best of the graduates, you know, the best graduating students, the ones with the first class, they're, they're the women. Which means it's not, I mean, giving everybody the same opportunity, they will excel as much as, as this thing. Of course, there's also the idea for that they have to take the extra duty of being wife, mother, and all that. Which to me proves that they're actually more smarter than we are as men. God, we focus on you do your work, go to work, and sit down at home. But she does the same thing, goes back to cook, goes back to take out the children. And you don't, you have all the opportunity to excel in your area because you don't have any other distraction. That they are where they are, we must give kudos to the women. Now, this is where I think the, 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 the system should begin to look at how can the taking care of the children or the household chores be shared in such a way that everybody gets involved? rather than leaving it all to the women. And look at the Nigerian banking sector today. I think six or seven of those banks are headed by women. I mean, they must be doing something well to reach that level. So Nigeria, Nigeria should take advantage of that and get, make use of that. And Africa should take advantage of the women so that we can do much better than we are doing. There was a time that everybody was worried about brain drain. And then at a point, there was what was called brain gain. Uh, how can scientists in diaspora, how can they contribute to advancing science and research, you know, in Africa? Let me make one detail this thing. I don't think we have reached the level of brain gain yet. Brain drain is what is still going on. In Africa? Yes. I mean, let's not deceive ourselves. The brain will drain to where it can be nurtured. If your environment does not nurture the brain, the brain is not going to come back. The people you are talking about in diaspora are just parachuting in to see what can be done. If it doesn't work, they go back. So we're not really getting brain gain now. Let's, let's, I mean, that's my own opinion. But we're still getting the brain drain. Why? Because it is not the human resource. It is the environment where it functions that makes him decide to leave Nigeria to go to, uh, to Europe. 
because there the environment allows him to develop his cap capability. But when you, I mean, I, I started by saying I could go anywhere in Nigeria, do my research without anything, although we're backing from outside. The environment was there to do the research. Nowadays, we don't, I mean, we're just going through a period of no fear. Uh, as we on strike. Uh, so add all that together. How are you going to do research in such a place? Which gain, which brain want to come back to this kind of place? So these are the problems. Until we create the enabling environment and sustain the enabling environment for the human capacity to function, we will not get the capability that we want from all of them. And I think that's the message I think we need to look at. We have not reached the level of brain gain yet. And they could, I mean, I don't see any of them coming back you know, into the environment where we are, when we cannot provide the simplest basic needs for science to thrive. The one that are staying with, I, I thank them and I'm, I'm really quite uh, happy that they are in spite of all the pressure. What they go through to get even done what they are done, if they are outside, they will do four or five times more. You order something in Europe, you order what you want and you get it immediately. Try it here. Six months, you're still waiting. Not because of other things, but because even the customs, the getting foreign exchange, yeah. all those are things that make it difficult for you to get anything. And so we signed a as an agreement with somebody outside the country. And we say, okay, within the next two months or one year, yeah. we should finish this proposal. I can't do my own side because there's no electricity, there's strike, there's no functioning. Then we disrupt the whole thing there. So nobody's going to come back here. We must improve the, the environment where science, for science to thrive. We're not doing that, and we need to do that. Otherwise, you know, the brain will continue to break the drain, and we'll, we'll never get the, the, the game back. So we need to improve, you know, certain uh, situations at the local, national, and regional level exactly. across, across Africa. Exactly. Thank That's what so I call the enabling environment. environment. Yeah. Thank you so much for My your pleasure. time and uh, we're very glad that we're able to speak with you. Thank you. My pleasure. I was surprised by Professor Tobori's view that in some ways the colonial era was actually good for science. We lost that because he says funding for science fell away. It was not generating revenue. We need to pump those funding levels back to create an environment and infrastructure that is attractive to world-class African scientists, to focus on solutions to African problems, and to build a healthy neighborly network of African nations. So, that's all for this episode of Science in Africa, a Nature Careers podcast. I'm Akinjimo, Chief Editor of Nature Africa. Thanks again to Professor Yewale Tomori, and thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 